Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Cry with the sound of love come down. 
to be born into darkness, sadness, desperate madness, creation so torn. We were so lost on earth, no peace, no work, no way to escape. In fear, no faith, no hope, no grace, and no light. But that was the night before Christmas. good time. Good morning, Ocean Hills. Welcome. You come on in, find a seat. There's lots of spots up here close. Yeah, come on. Yes, we have set up in a new place yet there, again. There we go. There we All go. Right. <laughs> we We're trying one. to find the best spot for this location with the sun and the cold and the so just bear with us. Thank you for being flexible. 
a good quality to have. Uh, let me pray for us as we come in. Jesus, we just ask that you'd meet us here today. You'd fill this place with your truth, with your love, Lord, with your joy. We have come to meet with you. Hear our praises, God. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with us as we sing? We're going to sing some Christmas songs. The first Noel, the angels did sing, was to certain for shepherds. In fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so feels like a workout. <laughs> yeah. Everybody cool down. 
of praise, taking our eyes off of everything around us, putting them back on you, Lord. Would you receive our worship this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to dismiss the kids, K through 8th, and everyone else, you guys can take a seat. to read a blessing for us that I read and it touched me. It was what I needed to hear. So I'm going to trust that at least one other person in here maybe needs to hear it. (laughs) It's a blessing for a chaotic season. Blessed are we, the fearful. Though we long to be people of peace, we can't lie. We are afraid. Afraid there won't be enough enough resources, enough time, enough memories. Blessed are we who ask you for wisdom. Show us what to turn from and what to set aside. Come, Lord, that we might see you, move with you, keep pace with you. Blessed are we who ask that this Advent we might dwell together quietly in our homes. Come, Lord, that we might be for others the peace they cannot give. And blessed are we who look to you and say, God, truly, we are troubled and afraid. Come, govern our hearts and calm our fears. O Prince of Peace, still our restless selves. Calm our anxious hearts. Quiet our busy minds. Amen. We want to just give you a gift of this song. Um, It's a song that I need probably every season, but certainly in the Christmas season. Just a reminder that Jesus is countercultural. He works in the most unexpected, upside-down ways. And he shows up in the unexpected where we don't always think to look for him. So my prayer for us, for for myself, for you, is that you might enter into the wonder of Jesus come as a baby. Jesus come in the unseen. Jesus come in the quiet, unexpected moments. Where might he be coming in your heart and home this Christmas?
melting like a tidal wave Or an ocean to ravage our hearts You could have come through like a roaring flood To wipe away the things we've scarred No, but you came like a winter snow You were quiet and soft and slow Falling from the sky in the night To the earth below Oh, no, your voice wasn't in A bush burning No, your voice wasn't in The rushing wind It was still and small it was here. Oh, you came like a winter snow, quiet and soft and slow, falling from the sky in the night. Good morning, Ocean Hills. This, thank you. This morning, we're going to read from the Word of Matthew. Could you guys stand with me as we read from the Gospel? We're in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 13. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose and we came to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not the least among your ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them when the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. 
It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their chests and gave them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. The word of God. Thanks, Jennifer. Merry Christmas, everybody. Good morning. You can have a seat. Our last Sunday in Advent. Come on. Are you, are you getting excited? My daughter's reminding me every day, Dad, six more days. Six days till Christmas. It's exciting. Hopefully you're getting caught up in the wonder of what we just sang about and read about that Jesus has come. So let's, let's pray together. Let's open our hearts one more time before we just listen to, to what God put on my heart to share today. Jesus, help us like little children to come to you today. Help us to see the miracle of your birth, the miracle of hope, the miracle of Christmas. God, we're waiting for you to show up. Would you show up in this moment here today? God, we're ready. We're hungry. We're thirsty for you. Thank you for being here in this courtyard, this beautiful place. Thank you for this weather that you've blessed us with every Sunday. God, we just praise you. So we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we've been in a series called Christmas Kindness, and uh, it's been an awesome series, really enjoying it. One of the big themes of the Christmas story is kindness. And just to recap a little bit, we talked about, uh, John talked about Elizabeth at the, at the first week of, uh, of this series, and she said, how kind is the Lord. He has taken away my, my disgrace that God takes away our shame and our disgrace and leads us into a life of freedom. He's so kind. And the next week, we talked about Joseph. Last week, we talked about Joseph and how kind he was to Mary. He was a kind man and how God calls us to be kind to those we're in relationship with, to all people, but especially our most important relationships, like our spouses. And uh, John challenged us to seven days of kindness. Maybe turn to your neighbor and, and say how that went. No, you don't need to do that. But uh, just, why don't you raise your hand? Was that hard for anybody else? Seven days of kindness? Just me? You guys are all perfectly kind. That's amazing. Um, why is it hard? Why is kindness challenging? And John's reminded us of this, that, that kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. 
It's one of the things the spirit develops in us as we mature in Christ, as we give over control to the Holy Spirit in our life, we become more kind and loving and gentle and patient. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. We can't just muster up our will to always be kind. We need something more. We need a savior. Can we just revisit what kindness is today? What is kindness? It's not just being nice. It's not just thinking nice thoughts. It's not, it's not just the absence of being mean. It's more than that. Kindness is deeper. It's really wanting what's best for another person, right? And doing something about it. It's wanting what's best and doing something. It's like faith without works is dead. Well, kindness without actions is dead. It's not real kindness. And we took the kindness challenge to our family. We met around the dinner table, talked about it, and, and it was challenging for us too. But I was driving Kira home from gym this week, and she looks over to me and, and says, Dad, guess what? Guess what? This girl on my way to school, she tripped and she fell and her water bottle went flying into the middle of the street. And I was like, and? <laughs> and I got to help her. I got to help her up. I got to grab her water bottle. I saw her later in the day. I got to check in. And it just made me think, wow, the power of kindness. It's powerful, isn't it? It's contagious. There's something about kindness that we all want. We all, we all just long for a kind world. True Confessions, I was a bit of a, a science nerd in high school and college, if you didn't know that. Loved me some science labs, and uh, God somehow led me into ministry. But I, I saw a, a video this week on the science of kindness that I thought was so interesting. The science of kindness. And it said this, kindness is one of the only things that when you share it, it doubles. When you share it, it doubles. Think about that. Kindness, when you share it, it doubles. And it said this, if you do one act of random kindness a day, stress, anxiety, and depression will be reduced in your life. And how do they know this? Well, they studied the science of what happens when you are kind, when you're a kind person, when you do something kind. And, and they saw that these hormones get flooded into your body when you do something kind. The, the hormones that maybe you've heard of, serotonin and endorphins and oxytocin, these are things that reduce pain, that heal our bodies, that help us feel loved, that help us be more loving. It's just amazing to me, God knew when he created our bodies, even. He wired us to be kind people. He wanted us to be kind people, and he helps us. He, he changes us into kind people. And I, I just want to be part of a community of kindness, don't you? I, I love what DJ has done for our church in this season. Our, our office right now is overflowing with presents that are going out to our community. And the women's team wrapped them the other night and just so many, so many great things. So thank you for, for putting all that together and just being able to unleash kindness into our city. And so here's what I wanna talk about today. What is the key to becoming kind? What's the key to be transformed 
into a kind person. And believe it or not, I think King Herod gives us some insights into this. The king of unkindness, really. Our story today is, is really the darkest part of the Christmas story. King Herod, he tried to kill Christmas, literally. He totally missed it. He totally missed the point. Good news of great joy came to him from the Magi. And he was filled with anxiety and anger and violence. Ironically, Herod means son of a hero. He's certainly not that. He is certainly the villain of the Christmas story. I mean, he is like the Grinch times a thousand, you know, before the Grinch was transformed, of course. Who was Herod the Great? It's just going back into history, it was interesting to just hear about Herod a little bit. He was a clever and yet horrible leader. He was appointed king of the Jews by the Romans at age 25. So when the time Jesus was born, he was about 62. He was extremely intelligent and savvy, and he wanted the people to love him. And he, he redid the aqueduct system, and he rebuilt the wailing wall, and he was part of rebuilding the temple, and he even saved the Olympics from going under. He did some stuff that the people, he, he wanted the people to love, to love him, and yet he was just evil. He, he did some really messed up things. He had 10 wives, including his niece and his cousin. He hated opposition. In fact, he just would kill you if, if you disagreed with him, it seems like. He, would, uh, he killed his favorite wife and three of his sons. And just a last little historical tidbit on Herod. He, uh, on the brink of his death, he was worried that no one was gonna be mourning his death. And he had this terrible thought, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna go and, and he put the order out to kill 45 of the most beloved Jewish leaders in Jerusalem so that at least he might get some of the runoff tears. He was an evil king. And, and here's the bad news today that I wanna share with you. Do you like the bad news first or the good news first? Sometimes we gotta go to the bad news first. The bad news is this, is that we all have a little King Herod inside of us. We do. We all have a little King Herod. And Tim Keller writes about this in his book, Hidden Christmas. He says this, according to the Bible, the evil of the world, all the unkindness in the world comes from self-centeredness, self-righteousness, self-absorption of the human heart. Each one of us wants the world to revolve around us. We want to be in control. We want to run the show. We want people to serve us, not have to serve other people. Each one of us wants to be captain of our own soul. And this is the, the story of Advent. is a story of a Jesus who comes to rescue us from this, from being in control. And that really is the fundamental question of Advent, isn't it? Is who is in control? Who's in control? Herod was a little bit of a control freak, wouldn't you say? I mean, the, the magi come to him and they share this news and he gets 
caught off guard. He gets so deeply disturbed. It spreads, his anxiety spreads into Jerusalem. The whole city is anxious all of a sudden because the king is anxious. And then he gets angry. He tells the wise men to do something and they don't, and they don't follow him. They don't obey him. And so he gets really, really angry and his anger turns into violence. And tragically, he, he slaughters 20 to 30 babies hunting for Jesus. Herod was trying to play God instead of trusting in God. What a different story he could have had if he had just recognized what God was doing, if he had opened himself. You know, we can try to play God or we can learn to trust God. That's the, the decision we're faced with in our lives. And I, as I reflected this week on the little Herod inside of me, I thought about the key to, to kindness and the key to living a life that's controlled by the Holy Spirit. And, and Herod's life, I think, shows us, we have some signs from Herod's life that he's holding on to control. And I think there's signs for us too that we may be holding on to control controlling our life, controlling our circumstances, controlling our relationships. And these are really anxiety, anger, and violence, these three signs. And, and the measure to which I have these in me is, is the measure to which I believe I, I'm trying to control my world. The journey of the Christian life is a journey of relinquishing control, letting go I love what Barbara Brown Taylor says. She says this, we don't lose control of our lives. What we lose is the illusion that we were ever in control in the first place. So let's look at these three signs in Herod's life and in our life. Anxiety, Herod got anxious. He got deeply disturbed. That, that, that phrase actually means he was physically like shaking. He was so anxious about this being caught off guard that there is a new king that there is a king of, of the Jews and it's not me. Have you ever been caught off guard with news? Maybe a scary diagnosis, maybe a financial setback, maybe a deadline you can't meet. Maybe there's a relationship that you just can't repair. You get caught off guard. Maybe you've been part of a global pandemic that's disrupting every single part of your life and creating anxiety globally. Do you ever stop yourself and just ask, what is the cause? What is the root of my anxiety? Aaron reminds me a lot that our emotions are, are good messengers, but they're terrible guides. Our emotions are, are there to inform us, to show us something. They're a sign and we need to pay attention to them. They're trying to tell us something. What might your anxiety be telling you today? Where are you anxious? Are you trying to create the perfect Christmas? Are you anxious about visiting family? Are you anxious about your future or your work or your family or your finances? About getting sick? I know I, I find it easy to get anxious about my kids. Any other parents in that boat? <laughs> you know, 
kids, where are they going to go to school? How are they going to do in school? How are they going to how are they going to get along with their friends? Are they going to get in the right friend group? Are they going to get on the right sports team? Where are they going to go to college right now? Nathan's 17 last week. He just turned 17. I can't believe it. And he's driving around. There's a little anxiety for you. Um, you know, I, I felt anxiety even just this, this week, struggling with anxiety about saying the wrong thing. We're not saying enough up here. When anxiety comes, and and it will come, it reminds me I need to relinquish control. I need to name it. I need to speak it. I need to share it. And I need to come back to the manger and remember who the king is. Casey sent me this from Ann Voskamp on Friday, and I, I just, it's such a great quote. Listen to this. When the king rules my world, I cease to rule or worry. All worry dethrones God. All worrying makes me king and God incompetent. I am going to trust that in those little places, through unexpected people, his perfect story is unfolding and unwrapping all around me and in me. The light is taking over the dark. The source of your greatest anxiety may be a clue today to where you just need to release control. The second thing that we see in Herod's life is anger. We see him just get furious, it says. The wise men don't come back and tell him where Jesus is. And and he, he's trying to control him. You just see him go into control mode, don't you? He's like setting up all these meetings. He's having these private meetings with these people. He's trying to figure out from the experts what's going on. And he sends the wise men out and they don't come back. And he gets so mad. He gets angry. Have you ever been mad at people who don't do what you want them to do? Who don't obey you? They don't vote the way you want them to vote. Don't act how you want them to act or say the things you want them to say. We, we just live in such an angry world, don't we? We can feel it. It's right beneath the surface. It's like ready to burst. What triggers your anger? Do you ever stop and, and just think about that? What triggers your anger? Do you get angry when people disagree with you? when you get interrupted, when you're asked to do something you don't wanna do, when you get stuck in a traffic jam, when you get left out, maybe when your spouse doesn't tell you something important that's supposed to be on the calendar. Sorry, honey. So much of our anger though comes from wanting to control those people around us and our environment. That's where anger comes from. And I had a burst of anger the other night uh, and I wish I could say it's, it's totally uncommon, but it's, it's not that uncommon. I, I just was so tired and exhausted, you know, end of the day, and I walk into the boys' room, these two teenagers living together, and their room's just a sty, you know, it's just, a, it's a mess. <laughs> 
don't tell them I said that. They're over there working with the kids. Um, but, uh, you know, and I just was just in a, in a moment of weakness, just said, come on, guys, seriously, is that, can you just keep this room clean for one single day? Let's go. It's a great way to say goodnight to your kids, isn't it? Our anger leaks out in us. Unresolved anger, it leaks out when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're stressed. And as Christians, I think we've just done a, a terrible disservice telling people just to, to stuff your anger. The, the most quoted verse I, I thought of about anger was, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's like, just get rid of it as fast as possible, okay? Don't be angry. Anger is real. Anger is a sign. It's okay. Have you read the Psalms? The psalmist is angry a lot. There's a lot of anger. It's okay. It's, but it's, it's what do we do with our anger? What do we do to give it to God? Our anger reminds us that we need to go back to the manger, go back to the king, release our anger to him. The last one, violence. Herod's anxiety and his anger, they, it turned to violence. Tragically, violence is all about staying in control. And we may not experience outward violence, but there is a lot of inward violence that we experience. How I talk to myself, how I talk to others, am I impulsive, am I reactionary? Do I think and act without speaking and, and just trample over people? That's violence. Thomas Merton actually talks about violence of our time. He says this, for when we are busier than what God requires, listen to that, for when we are busier than what God requires, we do violence to ourselves. There is a pervasive form of contemporary violence, activism and overwork. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns and to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone and everything is to succumb to violence. Can anybody relate to that? We want so much to control everything. We can't say no. Embrace our limits. I know as an Enneagram 2, I, I want to help. I want to do it all. And I'm learning I can't. I need to say no. And it's okay. Do you ever stop and ask yourself, how busy do you want me, God? Do you want me busy? We wear this badge around in our culture like I'm, I'm busy. That means I'm important. That means I do a lot. That means I'm just killing it at everything I do. Where are you experiencing violence in your life? Impulsive or reactionary behavior. Anxiety, anger, violence. Here's the good news. You ready for it? The good news is that God in his kindness has come to rescue us. God in his kindness has come to free us 
from the weight of control. It crushed Herod. You see it. It crushed his life. Spoiler alert, Herod dies a couple years after Jesus is born. It crushed him. Jesus wants to bring freedom to you and to me this Christmas. As we relinquish control, he wants to bring freedom from our anxiety, from our anger, from our violence. And he came for that purpose. And so Advent reminds us, there is a king and it's not me. Let me just end with a a couple ideas on how to surrender control. How do we do this? How do we live controlled by the spirit? It's very countercultural. Let me just uh, let me just say that the word yielding has come to mind for me, and, and I love it because uh, I feel like it's a spiritual discipline to yield. I used to think of it as just you know I, I did it I, I yielded to God I invited him into my life and I'm I'm yielded, but no it's it's a spiritual discipline I need to keep on yielding every day and and Lectio three sixty five that app the prayer app we've been talking about it I don't know if you're on it yet but what I love about it is just the 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 structure every day of P R A Y and and many times this fall I've I've gotten up before dawn and I make my coffee and I go sit in my hot tub and I pray and I listen to Lectio and and it's awesome it's it's like the moment. It's the best moment of my day, usually. And what I, what I love about the yield part, the why, is that I get to just every day be reminded before I do anything, I'm gonna yield control to God. I'm gonna give you everyone and everything, God. And I love how that app, that, that prayer tool leads you into yielding and as I was driving around this week, I just noticed, uh, you know, you notice how many yield signs are in our town? There's a lot of yield sounds, signs. These roundabouts we have, you know, does anyone love going in the roundabouts? Come on, the roundabouts are brilliant, aren't they? Such an efficient traffic tool. I love them. I love just, you know, feeling the G-force a little bit on the outside. Um, but anyways, the, uh, the, the roundabouts, to go in the roundabout, you, gotta, you come up to a yield sign, don't you? And what does the yield sign tell you to do? It tells you to slow down, wait, make sure it's good, it's clear before you go into the chaos of the circle. Slow down, wait, make sure it's clear. That's what yielding is in our lives. Slow down, waiting, and then stepping in to the chaos of life with God in control. And so the, the three tools, well, actually, I was just gonna, I was, I was thinking it'd be so great if you just see a yield sign this week driving around. Just say that breath prayer, that breath prayer. God, I give you everyone and everything. You know, what a great, we have these signs all over town that could remind us to just give control over to God. And I wanna share just three quick tools that can help you yield to God on a daily basis. And the first one is contemplation. Slowing down. Slowing down enough to say, God, where am I angry? Where am I anxious? Where is there violence in my life? We do this in the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Courses. That's what they're all about. It's about going beneath the iceberg 
that is inside of you. And it's hard. It's a discipline. It's something we need to keep doing to be integrated people. So contemplation, slowing down and reflecting. The second one is prayer. And I, I love what Rich Viotas says about prayer. He says, prayer is the transfer of control. Is that why it's so hard to pray? Because <laughs> we want to hold on to control. It is so hard to, to sit down and pray sometimes, isn't it? Because you're transferring. You're saying, God, when I pray, I'm saying, God, you are king. You're in control. You are the one who has the sovereignty. Prayer can help us hand over control. And Jesus models this so well, doesn't he? He prays his most famous prayer. God, not my will, but your will be done. And the last one is, is stillness and silence. When we go into silence and stillness, we stop making demands on God. All sense of accomplishment is given up. We're able to just be with God and give him control. And it's so countercultural in our day and age to sit in silence. We've been taking people up to the Camadoli Mission uh, Hermitage up in Big Sur. We've had about 30, 35 people go up this, this year and sit in silence for 48 hours. And it's been just such a powerful experience for people in our church. And it's a discipline to sit in silence. Maybe just start with one minute or two minutes. Maybe you get to five minutes and just let God speak to you. I, I love what Ruth Haley Barton says about Psalm 46, 1, 10, she, which is be still and know that I am God. She says this, it literally means to let go of your grip, to let go of your grip. I'm gonna invite the worship team up as I close and I want you to just put your fists out like this and just squeeze, squeeze your fists. Okay, then squeeze a little bit harder. This is what it's like trying to control your life. And I, I want you just to maybe close your eyes and just ask God, where am I doing this in my life? Where is my anxiety? Where is my anger? Where is the violence happening? And now I want you just to release. Take a deep breath. Just release. Open your hands up. Say, God, I want to submit my little Herod to you. God, the Herod that is inside of me, God, would you take him? I want to just give you control. I know that as you take control, God, you can form me deeply into the person you want me to be. I'll just sit there with that for a moment. The Bible says his kindness leads us to repentance. 
His kindness leads us back to him. God, we confess we have control freaks in us. God, we live trying to control our circumstances, our money, our futures, our environment. And God, we want to hand that over to you today. Thank you for being the king, the sovereign king that came as a baby. God, to show us how how much control you really have. So we ask you to take our anxiety, take our anger, take those violent part of our lives, God. Would you change us? Would you transform us into a kind people? Holy Spirit, do your work in us. We need you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing some worship together, and um, let's just open our hearts to him. We're going to sing, we fall down, we lay our crowns. We just lay those, those parts that we want to control at the feet of Jesus. And if there's some that came up for you today, we're going to have some people over here that would love to pray with you, DJ and some others on our prayer team, and would love to have you come over and, and get some prayer, and uh, maybe there's something you need to release today. We'd love to, to help you do that, to pray for that. So let's, let's worship together. Let's stand and say, we fall down. We, we fall down and lay our crowns. Holy, holy, holy. 
Thank you, John O'Shaefer. What a great word this morning to remind us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. I love that Ruth Haley Barton quote, let go of your grip. That's going to stay with me. And uh, maybe a great segue in for all of us this Christmas season, let go of your grip, your control of money. That's a tough word for us to hear. You know, our world says uh, the one with the most toys wins, the one with the most trips wins, the one with the most. And Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The NLT says, life is not measured by how much you own. That's called reading the red. That's the word of Jesus. It's more blessed to give then receive. We have offerings as you leave. We hope that you'll partner with us. Those of you, so many of you giving sacrificially, so many of you giving regularly. When we uh, forecast our budget to move the mission of Jesus forward, it just helps to have partners that are committed that we can count on that say, I'm in it with you. Uh, if that's a step of faith for some of you to let go of your grip, let go of control, to step out in faith and say, hey, I'm part of this family. I want to be in it with you. That would encourage us. We hope you'll do that before the end of the year to help us move the mission of Jesus forward. Two things, and then I send you out. One is uh, we have 920 people signed up for Christmas Eve this Friday night. Now, here's, here's, here's the reality of this Friday night. On Thursday of this week, there's a 90% chance of rain on Saturday, right now, if you look at your phone, I think there's a 30 or 40% chance of rain. On Friday, Christmas Eve, right now, it changed. It changes every day. Right now, it's not supposed to rain on Christmas Eve day. So we're going to ask you to pray that uh, the, God will part the, 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 the clouds. But here's the deal. We have to make the call on Thursday morning. Uh, and there's a limit in the ballroom where we're headed uh, over at the Hilton. 950 people indoors is what they'll allow us. Uh, outside, we can have as many as we want. So there's 30 more spots is what I'm giving you a little heads up. If you're not signed up for this Friday indoors, just sign up and uh, 950 folks will be indoors. But hopefully we're going to be outdoors. Pray for us as we have to make that call on Thursday. We appreciate it. And then last thing is just tonight at 7 p.m. on the top of Tunnel Road, there's a men's ministry hike, hiking under the moon. Uh, if you were out last night, man, it was spectacular. Tonight's going to be equally as spectacular. If you have questions about that, you can see DJ. And then uh, about Christmas Eve, we have to move all this equipment from here into vans to prepare for Christmas Eve. If you have some muscle. If you have a little extra time, next 15, 20, 30 minutes, you can stick around and help our worship team. You can, we'll call you a roadie. Uh, you can help us load. We, we need probably 20 people to stick around and help us load a bunch of equipment for the Christmas Eve service. Just come right up here. We like to say God is good all the time. He really is bigger. He's better and he's kinder. Then you think, and we're going to remind you of that this Friday night at Christmas Eve. Thanks so much for joining us today. God bless you. 
Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.